This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Yes, what is up, everybody? I'm not Ian Joy. I'm Jimmy Conrad. I'm here with two of my favorite people, Nigel Rio Coker and Michael LaHood, as we break down all the action from this past weekend because the club football is back, everybody. This is the Kegel Lasso podcast. Hey, like and subscribe if you haven't already. If you're on YouTube, hit that subscribe button on any podcast platform of your choice. And boys, it's great to see you. Nigel, always a pleasure. How are you doing, my friend? I am great, my friend. Looking forward to this very much so. And I'm so happy you've got a City shirt in the background. Unlike our friend, <laughs> Michael, who has his Man United shirt, who'd be better off doing a show in the dark. Yes, so so we're gonna break down the six to two win by Manchester City. Two hat tricks were scored in this one. One by Erling Holland, who's an absolute robot, and then you have Phil Foden, who continues to get better and better. Lahoud, though, you're wearing this United shirt. You're clearly asking for some pain. You're a masochist. Uh, What are you? What are you doing? Um, I'm actually using it, maybe a toilet paper later on, because uh, <laughs> oh that, that's all right. That's that took it. That, that took it another United, level. Yeah. <laughs> every United fan should be considering swapping this shirt for something else. It, it oh, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. all can get out right now. Oh. Let, let me get into some fun facts, and then and then Nigel, I'm going to start with you. Okay, so six two was the final result. It's now the highest scoring Manchester derby in any competition. Ever in 187 meetings all time, that's the highest scoring derby. Erling Haaland, maybe you've heard of him, has more Premier League goals this season than 14 teams, including Manchester United and Chelsea, by himself. Now, the one saving grace for Manchester United, I think, is that Harry Maguire wasn't at fault for any of the goals. So you got that going for you guys. <laughs> Let's give it up for that. Erling Haaland has three Premier League uh, hat tricks in his last three Premier League home games. That's, in- that's insane. And now Erling Haaland has as many Premier League hat tricks as Cristiano Ronaldo, and he's only played eight matches. Nigel, well, I don't know where you want to go with this. That first half was ridiculous. City were up 4-0 at that point, and I tweeted out, if they don't win every trophy imaginable, I'll be surprised, one. And second, they should be disappointed. These guys are sensational. No, I know. Uh, but, Jimmy, I think for that, we've got to realize that this is a Manchester derby. This is domestic football Manchester derby, it's pride of the city, it's that old school kind of mentality. And I think that's what we have to understand about this game. It was 6-3, it is the highest ever scoring goals of Manchester of a Manchester derby. And I think for me, I, Manchester United have been brought back down to reality. They've had a big slice of humble pie today because it shows the distance in the gap of quality of where Manchester United want to be compared to where Manchester City are. Haaland for me is just a goal scorer. He doesn't get involved in play that much at all, but he puts it into the back of the net when it counts. He's a little bit of a difference maker. Again, you don't want Manchester City to be over-reliant on them. 
Manchester United embarrassed themselves in the first half because they just didn't play. They weren't brave enough. And I think before we start going into the players and everything, we have to say Ten Hag has to take a bit of responsibility in the team that he picked. Mm -hmm. For me personally, I do not understand now, and this is, again, it's going to open the avenue for criticism and comments in, how do you sign Casemiro for 17 million and you do not start him in a Manchester derby when this guy's played in Champions League football, he played for the national team of Brazil in the week and, and had a great assist for uh, a goal, one of their goals. And you don't start him in a Manchester derby. Someone who's comfortable on the ball. We, I saw the difference when he came on. I know people can be critical about, oh, he gave the ball away, but it's hard to play into the game, especially in centre midfielders or holding midfielder when you come in as a sub. But he's more willing to show for the ball. He's more willing to get on the ball in tight areas and make those forward passes. This I, isn't I a McTominay. No, it, it, well, I know. Well, it's, it, it shouldn't be because they can only do what they can do. And I agree with you about Eric Ten Hag, uh, mm -hmm. Nigel, that that he said before the game, why would he change anything? Obviously, they came into the oh. international break with a big win over Arsenal. Why would you change it? And, and I, I do want to say that I made the mistake. It was 6-3 to three at the end. I stopped paying yeah. attention after Foden made it 6-1. So, I, okay, I'm, I'm sorry. Let me just go back at this then, all right? So he said, why would you change it when you win? Didn't the great Alex Ferguson, who's won 20 league titles at Manchester United, change his team regardless of the score of when they win? That's the modern game of football. You have to change depending on the opponents you are facing. That's the game where you start Casemiro. Casemiro needed to start in that game. And I think for me, the players didn't turn up in the first half. I was going to be very critical of Anthony. Again, another player you pay X amount of millions for. You, you were critical. You were goal. critical of him, mind you. Well, you uh, were yes, critical. But, but Michael, when you pay that type of money, you need that player shining. You need people talking about him. We didn't talk about Anthony till he scored a goal. That is not good enough return for a player you're paying. That How are you kind saying that's not for? good enough? If it's he a scored banger, though. That a goal, banger, that, so I completely disagree. I completely disagree. Good enough. I can, that type I of money. No. Michael, I was going to say my last point. That, that, that type of money. <laughs> well, yeah. That type of money. You've been going for about two minutes, so yeah. You go have on. to be involved in the game and be a player that people are talking about. Go on then. Uh, so I I disagree with the take on Anthony. If you want to talk about Jaden Sancho, that's a that's a good take. Sancho was he was pedestrian today. Look out of sorts. Want to play? <laughs> well, I got some more air. I got some uh, oxygen tank. If you need more to go on the next six minute rant. <laughs> so when I look at this game, I, I think you're bang on with Casemiro and the lineup sheet. There's too much space in the middle of the park and Manchester City. When you have those type of world-class center midfielders, you cannot give them space. So many goals coming off a transition, and it's the city DNA. They get to the end line, overlapping runs from Bernardo Silva. He could be one of the best signings in terms of players who stayed. He looks like a new signing for City. Looks to be reinventing himself out of midfield, getting involved in goals. Just too many weapons for Manchester City, overwhelming United. United would have been better. United have gotten results at the Etihad, have sat back, almost defending in their box, and then hitting on the counter, lulling City to sleep. And this was naivety, down to Ten Hag naivety, down to lack of execution from the players. But now it gives you something different to think about. The fact that Anthony Martial comes off the bench and gets you two goals, and Jimmy, I'm glad you corrected it, because I was going to give you the, the half <laughs> of the backhand, three, half of the Al Pacino backhand, three made it somewhat more respectable but that game was blown out of the water when i look at manchester city and you got to give them all the credit pep guardiola got it spot on one of the unsung heroes of this match 
It's a big gamble, a big call, given the Champions League is around the corner. He started Akanji. I thought he was class. He brought yeah, a physical great. presence. Very good. It, it allowed Nathan Ake to get steam and create momentum through breaking the lines with passes and breaking the lines on the dribble. United's game plan was flustered and frustrated when you have a center back like Ake, who's been a revelation since going to Manchester City, being able to get to that next depth in midfield. And now it gives your two defensive midfielders something to think about. You have to go put pressure, which creates passing lanes for the likes of De Bruyne and Phil Foden. And there's just too much to handle. Hey, put some respect on Bernardo Silva's name too, by the way. That guy is incredible in tight spaces. And and uh, I just didn't want you to leave him out. I'm going to give you a little backhand over here. <laughs> so what, what I love, Nigel, is just how predatory Man City is on both sides of the ball. Even when they were up 3-0, 4-0, they're playing like they're down a goal. They've got that hunger, that desire when the ball turns over. They're so good in transition that if Man United can't find it, and they looked very rushed in that first half, and it was definitely men versus boys in that first half in particular. Man United was trying to, they're being in a hurry, and and, and it played into City's hands, right? I mean, they okay, you're going to try to try to solve it in three passes. Once we win it back, you're not going to touch it for three or four minutes. And it just became this vicious cycle. They couldn't get out of it. Obviously that led to four goals, four very good goals. I kind of want to talk overarching then. What does this mean for you, Nigel, with regard to Man City? Do you think that they're clear favorites to win the Premier League? And then what does this mean also for Man United? Was it just, we've seen them have a bad performance again or before against Brentford. Is this something we're going to see under Ten Hag where you have the highs and you have the lows kind of Bielsa-like in some ways? Or do you think this is just a blip and they just ran into one of the best teams or the best team in the world? I think it's an embarrassment, if I'm honest. I don't think it's a blip. <laughs> I, I didn't ask that, but I'm glad you, I'm glad you went there. <laughs> it's an absolute embarrassment. I think that this is, this is what we've got to look at it, Jimmy. Manchester City bought Pep Guardiola in for a reason. They believe in his footballing philosophy and, uh, and his identity and his style. Pep Guardiola, truly behold, is the recruitment guy of Manchester City. Every player he picks comes in. Manchester United, for many, many years now, haven't had a clue in recruiting. They haven't had any direct game plan. They feel that just because of past glories that they can get a manager in who will make it work. No, the game has moved on. The players at Manchester United are just not good enough. There's a few that can stay, but they're not good enough. They haven't picked a manager and given a manager the full responsibility in his belief, in his principles, and giving him the time to recruit the players he wants in there. That's because of, again, too much involvement from up top with people who don't know nothing about football. Manchester United a bit remind me of the Dallas Cowboys living on past glory. Mm, I think for me that it's a big statement win for Manchester City, but I still feel the Premier League is still slightly open. And then when you look also at European competitions, they're going to face different types of, of teams and different problems. One thing that Michael forgot to mention, the point that he made about... Manchester City is transforming the game and, and um, Aki being able to step out with the ball and, and all those type of things. Michael forgot to mention the fact of they still have Erling Haaland, the difference maker. He's the only striker in the world who can get onto the end of a cross by Kevin De Bruyne like that with his six foot something legs. That is the difference. You still have to compete with that type of striker. They could have any other striker in the world. They're not getting onto a ball like that. Well, there's one, there is one. Robert Lewandowski gets on that ball. I do challenge okay. that. Lewandowski, yes. But still, I just feel that Ellen Haaland right now is still not even in his full prime yet. And he's got that youth about him, which makes him the difference maker. So there's a lot to talk about, um, Jimmy, that it's just a, it's not just a simple conversation. And we don't have enough time to dive into it. But I, I think it's a statement win. 
Yeah, oh, no, it's, it's an incredible statement win, and, and clearly who the best team is in Manchester. Holland is nine goals away. That still seems mm-hmm. like a lot, but he's he's nine goals away from equaling, equaling the Golden Boot winner from last year, and it's only October second. Uh, I think it's pretty clear wow. this guy's going to smash any record. Alan Shearer, anybody else that's at the record at the top. Uh, for uh, Andy, goals. Cole. Andy, Andy Cole. Cole. Andy Cole's tied with yeah. 30, 34. Yeah, Andy What a player, too, yeah. Andy Cole. Well, Go ahead, Mike. Go ahead, Mike. The only thing that could stop Erling, Erling Haaland is himself through injury. We know he has an injury track record for a young player, so keep that in mind. True. Although he doesn't have the World Cup to worry about, injury could come at any moment because City will be competing on all four fronts. I just want to say something in there quickly, though. For me, I, I guess I grew up in a different generation. I think for me, when you come up against the likes of Haaland, that should motivate you as a player to want to like stifle him and, and really make it difficult. I, I can't speak a lot for this new generation that we're talking about in what we're seeing in football. But I would be extra competitive in the fact of making it very difficult for him. Manchester United just didn't do that, in my opinion. They didn't mm-hmm. compete mm-hmm. enough. And we talk about the greats. Yeah. The greats really, you know, you talk about the John Terry's and all those uh, centre-backs and the Campanies and those type of players. They will make it difficult for you. I can't say I saw that against for the Manchester United players today trying to compete against this right now. He's the best striker in the world. I want him to remember my name and make it difficult for him. Haaland's not going to remember the, the Manchester City, the Manchester United centre backs, because he just destroyed them. And I just yeah. think that there's that le- lack of competitiveness that in the modern game. Okay, so one fun fact, and then I'm going to throw it to Mike Lahoud, our resident Manchester oh. United fan, just so you can show us your suffering, I guess. Yeah. But there's one fun fact here. Manchester United, their transfer market activity over the last five years, they have spent or they're, they're, they're down. Spent. It's $667 <laughs> million is the balance mm. that they, they're they in the negative. 667, 600 and yeah, 67. Yeah. And then and the Manchester City over the last five years, $249 million in the in mm. the negative. And so for all the people that are like FFP and all this stuff, you know, I mean, Man United, they're out there still spending. But to your point before, Nigel, it hasn't been with a lot of a plan. And and we had evidence of that today where Casemiro does, should start, doesn't start. And, and that just kind of gives you more of that. So so enlighten us. Enlighten us, Michael LaHood, with regard to <sighs> what Manchester United needs to look forward to. And then we'll move on to actually the league leaders in the Premier League, Arsenal, and their big win over Tottenham. Look forward to. That's you know what? Let me, let me suck in my <laughs> oxygen tank. This is my <sighs> one-minute rant that I'm going to go on. So first of all, I am just flabbergasted, perplexed. I mean, you're trying to use all my dictionary word, perplexed, that Ten Hag did not start Casemiro. It makes me wonder. I always thought that Harry Maguire had the nudes. Of Ten Hag and United <laughs> upper echelon, it's no, actually has, Scott he has McTominay. Nudes. He has South- it's it's South- it's Scott McTominay that has the nudes because there's no way you start Scott McTominay <laughs> if you know you're going to start Christian Eriksen in the middle of the park. And also Manchester United, you've been living and dying by this counterattack football for the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. You have to have a plan B. They, in the games they've won, it's been getting it, absorbing pressure, and then playing direct, running the channels. Marcus Rashford blistering pace, Jaden Sancho getting in on the action, getting in the final third and coming to life. Today against City, I think that there was no response. They had a couple glimpses, but Manchester City, if you're going to throw that many numbers forward, at times you and I were throwing four players in attack. That leaves a massive bus that you could drive a Mac 10 truck through in the form of Kevin De Bruyne to hit you on the counter. And you have Erlen Holland, who is waiting there to reap the rewards 
a player that I thought I thought Torm knew. I'm going to say my first cuss word on Kegelasso. Sorry, family, friends, and people who I say go it's a family go, show. Go, go. Ripped him a new asshole. I whoa, got it out. Oh, whoa, I got it whoa. out of my system. Whoa, I beat whoa. Nigel to the punch. Ripped wow. him a new asshole today. This is a player I thought more about England when I saw Phil Foden, how he played, thinking the bigger picture for the World Cup. Play him with a free roll. Don't play him in this boxed-in spot that he has for the English national team. He showed what he could do. Unfortunately, Malasia, he could be on the bench after this game. I, I thought he was very poor, looked shell-shocked. It was a welcome to the Premier League hell for Ten Hag and United. Massive reality check, but I changed my expectations. I don't think they'll win Premier League like I thought before this game. I think they'll get probably Champions League. That's my deranged United that's living on a deranged. no. It's realistically, I, I think they'll get Champions League. No, realistically though, I'm, I, I'm just, saying that to give myself Jimmy, hope. Jimmy, on that note, we move on now. Because <laughs> we move on. We move on. Again, it's I kind of want kills you. It's the hope that kills you. It does. It does. I, I do want to say that Erling Holland made his Premier League debut 56 days ago, and he's already owning the league. And people thought he would struggle after the Community Shield. All right, let's move on though to Arsenal versus Tottenham, North London derby, a big one. And Arsenal decided to continue to play like they've been playing for most of the season. They were excellent in this one, Nigel. Just really demonstrated what they're looking like under Arteta with with their new signings. Uh, getting uh, Saliba back in the in the in the in the defense, he's been solid. You have Gabriel Jesus, who's been excellent. Who who, by the way, every time he's scored in the Premier League, his teams have never lost, and that that trend mm-hmm. continued in this game. Uh, Harry Kane got his his 100th goal away from home or 100 away goals in the Premier League. That's a record. So congratulations to him. But just a mere footnote, I would say, Nigel, in terms of the dominating performance by Arsenal in this. And then we'll get into the Emerson red card. But I did want to hear your thoughts on on Arsenal overall. They're top of the table right now. City's actually looking up at them. They have 21 points. City have 20 at the moment. I'll be honest with you. I think that this was another big test for Arsenal after Manchester United because for me, Tottenham still are not really playing at their maximum level. So mm-hmm. I thought it would be interesting. Um, and for me, I would have to say with the performance of what I saw by Arsenal, I would say they are in the title race. Like I would have to say now they are really one of the teams that could win the Premier League title. I love that. Fantastic yeah. team performance. And then what, I, what the I'll Positivity say, I've coming from Nigel. It's really nice. No, I, I've got, <laughs> listen, I well, get feeling warm and fuzzy over here. A little different. Yeah. I give credit when credit is due. And that performance for me shows to me that, yes, you have to take Arsenal seriously, that they're in the title race. I think Arteta's changed a lot there. The players are buying into it. I see great togetherness. Even after they took the lead, you see the togetherness of the team huddle, getting the players on the same page. Everyone's in there. They're all buying on the same page. They're in the title race. Okay, okay. Yeah, jump in, Mike. I want to get your. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts on it, and and throw in your your take on Emerson red card because yeah, I think a yellow wanna... would have been okay. I know by definition he showed the bottom of his boots and he gets them high above the ankle, yeah. but but man, it's a it's a derby, man. Like you gotta you gotta let a little of that slide. I mean, nothing nothing egregious. He didn't break his leg or anything. Yeah, I, I, I just felt I, a little harsh. I I think that was a very harsh red card decision, and the, and the decision that changed the game. This, that game, that game was not. That game was not. It was. I think it was two one. Gabriel Jesus had just scored, and Tottenham Hotspurs prior to the Jesus goal, they were putting a ton of pressure on Arsenal. Remember, Arsenal. The first fifteen minutes, it was all Arsenal. They came out of the blocks, high energy. The Emirates was bouncing. Hadn't heard it sound like that in a long time. And North London derbies, you know, it's going to provide energy. It's going to be end to end. Neither team wants to give up. It's going to be relentless. But as soon as Tottenham 
got that goal. And Nigel, you said this in the group chat. Arsenal looked befuddled. They looked shell-shocked. They were rattled, and they couldn't get out of their own end. Misplayed passes, locked in their own end, and Tottenham came out of the second half and really taking it to them a bit. But goalkeeping errors and individual moments of horror from Hugo Lloris, it becomes since he's won the World Cup, you know he's good for that once a once a match, almost <laughs> well, once even a in half. the World Cup final he made that mistake. Yeah. Yeah. And and those are the momentum killers in a derby match that you cannot have. Credit to Gabriel Jesus. This guy is a man on fire. I thought his movement at the start of the game, that interchange between he and Martinelli, was difficult for Tottenham to keep tabs of. Bukayo Saka had a low-key, just solid performance. I thought he was everywhere. On that second goal, it was he who who just wrong-footed Ivan Perisic, kind of exposing the fact that Perisic is not an out-and-out wingback or defender by nature. Wrong-foots him, get a good, gets a good shot on target, one that Uris should do well with. Uris parries it right in the path mm-hmm. of Jesus. So credit to Arsenal on pouncing on momentum. And then Granit Xhaka. He's been the X factor for the Gunners, playing in a more advanced midfield role. And if you wind back the clock, I saw him play in the Champions League before he moved abroad for the first time from Basel. That was his natural position coming up, a box-to-box midfielder. He has in his locker, can cover ground. Granit Jaka, though, moment of madness, he was at fault for that first goal. He had a, I think he had an errant touch. So overall, incredible result for the Gunners. I thought just team performance, quality unified performance and they keep on rolling just makes you wonder though do you consider that a quality win given the way that Tottenham Hotspurs are- yeah yeah I think there's a lot to unpack I'll jump in about Tottenham really quick Nigel and and for whatever reason Antonio Conte can get maybe cajole top performances from some of his guys but collectively it doesn't seem like they're they're all on the same page or all playing at a high level at the same time and I, and I think, you know, all of a sudden they might be playing well. The back four might be lights out. And then Lloris makes a mistake. And then then heads go down. And then all of a sudden they're not as sharp. But they're not as confident. We, we know that confidence is a hell of a drug. So, so I'm curious to see how Antonio Conte gets the team. How do they respond to this? That's going to be a, a big test, I think, for Spurs, especially with the Champions League coming up this week. And, and uh, it's going to be a quick turnaround for a lot of these teams. Now, I actually want to move over, though, to Liverpool-Brighton because mm. – that's 3-3, baby. And Brighton were up 2-0. And then Liverpool, to the surprise of no one, come back and make it 3-2. But maybe to the surprise of people this season, or maybe not this season, given how they've been performing. But they're always making these casual mistakes. It makes it 3-3. Uh, Leandro Trossard scored a hat-trick. He's only the third visiting player to score a Premier League hat-trick at Anfield ever. And Liverpool's slow start to the season continues. They were once title contenders. I had them going neck you know, neck, neck at the end with Man City. I don't know if this Liverpool team is currently going to do that, Nigel. And I wanted to get your thoughts. Trent Alexander-Arnold not looking good again. He's obviously under a lot of speculation about his, his defending. Jurgen Klopp came out and said, well, that's, that's what we take. We know he's not as great defensively, but the reward is that he's so good on the attack. But if he's not doing it on that side, or even if he is and can't defend and he's getting punished for it, there's a lot to unpack with Liverpool. I wanted to get your thoughts on this 3-3 game. I'll let Mike go because it's Liverpool and he's a United fan. Classic NRC. Just to chop me 
to smithereens after I <laughs> say a United shirt. You're doing it yourself. Okay. You know what? Let me. Yeah, you're, hey, hey, you're lucky on, I didn't Mike, wear the paper bag suffering over now. my head. suffering too. You can join them in the suffering. You can say, listen, we're wearing red together and this hurts. I don't we know. say it week in and week out. This is a Liverpool team that is being exposed because they let their best player from last season. It wasn't Mohamed Salah. It was Mane. Last season, they, they let him go. And they made a mistake. And they're paying the price for that. Bobby Firmino is saving them when he shows up at Anfield to score goals. That seems to be the place where he finds the back of the net and doing it in bunches. The big problem with this Liverpool team at the back is effort. Simply put, effort. When you talk about Trent, yes, he's going to get beat defensively, but on some of those goals, the first two goals, he's walking back. He's watching the play develop. That is something I have not seen from Trent Alexander-Arnold in seasons past. Liverpool, they have a team that that has played a ton of games. They've made it to Champions League finals. They've played in big Premier League matches. I think they're a team that's emotionally exhausted. They came second best in every category in terms of the Champions League and the Premier League last year, that is as emotionally exhausting to pick yourself back up, the short turnaround, and then the combination of international games and Premier League games. When I when I when I think about the tonic for that, ah man, I, I'm not sure there is one right now because you still have to play your quality players to hope that something changes. They're playing with a lot of fire. They were very fortunate. I, I think that was kind of a a, a false bravado if you will that that game ended 3-3 it felt more like a loss than a win for Liverpool okay so Nigel before you jump in here I kind of want to tee it up in this way because Jurgen Klopp I think is making selections that sometimes are based on loyalty as opposed to maybe going with players that 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 fit the system or or are just fresher or better in form do you think that that Liverpool have hit a peak they've they've hit their ceiling with with Jurgen Klopp like they've they've done so much to Mike's point they're exhausted. They've played so many games over so many years and, and played in such a rock and roll, high-pressing style. At some point, that's going to collapse. Like, the players just can't do it at that level, game in and game Jimmy. out. I don't know. I'm just throwing it up to you. I'm, I'm throwing you a, a lob. You hit it. Hit it wherever you want. Mike But Mike made a great point. They're emotionally exhausted, 100%. That's what yeah. I've always said. I'm not saying these players have become bad players overnight because it's impossible. They're top-class players. Yeah. And I think for me, like you just said there, Jimmy, the seven-year itch. The same thing happened seven years at Dortmund. The same thing happened at Dortmund, remember, when they were so competitive, Champions League, consistently for seven years. And on the seventh year of Jurgen Klopp being there, they just dropped tremendously. And that's when he left Dortmund, correct? Yes. This is his right. seventh year at Liverpool. And one thing that Klopp does as well is he likes to work with a small squad. He doesn't like a big squad. Michael yeah. made another great point. I felt, for me, that Mane was the catalyst, the special talisman, at Liverpool and them letting him go was a big mistake. He was a big part of that Liverpool team and success. Players to me look emotionally tired. They look tired completely in general. They look drained. And that is why we're seeing problems at Liverpool. It's yeah. not about the quality of the players. They look tired. I think the, the whole Trent Alexander-Arnold stuff doesn't help because that for me was blown up well, what they do best, the British press and the British media with him not being in Gareth Southgate squad. Instead of letting Gareth Southgate pick his team and do what he does as a manager, the English press and media have to have their say and input, which is a way of the English media saying Trent should be playing. So all of that plays a part. He is a human being. I'm sure all that negativity and all the backlash of him not being in the England squad and then Jurgen Klopp having to stand up for him and then him playing in a Premier League game, 
mm-hmm. it affects him. We have yeah. to be real. He probably lost a bit of confidence and started to question himself. And then with that, a smart manager would say, go down Trent side, go down Trent side. Let's see how strong he is mentally. And that's what teams are going to do. But Jurgen Klopp is a very honest manager. He says, we know what Trent can't do defensively, but he's not in the team for that. Because what he brings to the attacking side of the game, playing front foot, attacking football, scoring goals, creating chances is what Jurgen Klopp's about. He will take that. Mm-hmm. The problem is other players around who've covered that for so long in Van Dijk and other players aren't, aren't playing, not as well. playing yeah. at the highest bit of their yeah. game. So it's that no, simple. It's not rocket science. And I feel that that's the best way to really analyze that whole situation. Well, just to get the hype going, everybody, Arsenal hosts Liverpool next weekend at the Emirates. So that one should be a cracking affair, as I like to say. All right, let's uh, finish up our roundup of the Premier League. Uh, I know everybody's on their edge of their seats for this. Bournemouth and Brentford finished 0-0. I know you guys are all excited about that. <laughs> My Newcastle baby went to Craven Cottage, got the big 4-1-1. Miguel Elmiron, MLS. Mm-hmm. Yes, let's go, buddy. Atlanta United. Jesus Christ. Uh, alumni. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, well, West Ham with the big 2-0 win over Wolves. Wolves only one win in the last 15 Premier League games. Bruno Lage, you have been fired. It looks like Mauricio Pochettino, according to, to Nigel Rio Coco over here, says he might be coming uh, in. I Everton. just threw a name out. Uh, uh, yeah, sure, sure. Maybe Zidane will come in instead. Who knows? Maybe he likes uh, managing <laughs> Portuguese players. Everton with a big 2-1 win away from home uh, against Southampton. And then the one we're going to finish on is Newcastle. Or excuse me, Chelsea beating Crystal Palace mm. at Selhurst Park. Christian Pulisic, just from an American perspective, came on Jesus as a Christ. super sub. Got, had, had an assist. Hey, Nigel, just let us have our moment, okay? Yes. The U.S. men's national team didn't have a good last week. We just want to, like, hype up our players when we get a chance. He had a, he had an assist to Conor Gallagher, who scored against his uh, on-loan team from last season with a banger. And now Chelsea win their first game, Michael LaHood under Graham Potter. Pretty good dude. Pretty good. Yeah, you know, I just want to go back to something a one Nigel Coker said. I've been waiting to sit on this. I was going to hope for when the U.S. men's national team beat England at the World Cup. You heard it here first on Kego Lasso when that happens. You said it was a disgrace that his hammy injury kept him out of the Japan game. Am I right? Am I wrong? Des, roll the tape because it's there. It's not so much of a disgrace now, is it? Comes off the bench, slaloms through a couple defenders, and tees it up for Connor Gallagher Golasso. Namesake of the show. Michael, let's just see, see. Let's just see if he's fit for the next game. Anyway, carry on. Uh, that's, but you know, Listen, another right, player. Another I'm player. Well, I just want to finish up with this. I want to finish up with another player that I remember. You put the brown paper bag over his head, making his Chelsea Premier League impact. Pierre Emmerich. Aubameyang. He did. He scored. You His first goal for Chelsea. blasted him. You blasted him in that first game. That's a tidy had. goal, too, by the way, by Aubameyang. And he put his name, put some respect on the man's name alongside Christian Michael. Pulisic. Michael, he's doing what he's paid to do. My problem is his application <laughs> to me still looks like it's a laugh and a joke. I'm never, dis- I'm never disputing his talent and his ability, but I want that same energy. Look, you could be a laugh and a joke. But you could be lethal like Haaland. Aubameyang is not like Haaland. Let's be real about that. No, Haaland no. looks like a friendly guy laughing a joke, but he's doing the business. He wants to score goals. I don't see that same desire and hunger in Aubameyang. My thing for, for me is this. I'm still not convinced with Chelsea. I don't know how long Raheem Sterling is going to be wanting to play this wing-back role. And the reality is Crystal Palace were cheated. Thiago Silva should have been sent off, in my opinion. That was a deliberate handball. He was the last man. And if it was anyone else who did that, if that was a Crystal Palace player doing that against Chelsea, you better believe 
they would have been sent off. And it goes to my days of playing in the Premier League where the big clubs <laughs> oh, go. always got the decisions. It's true. Manchester that- United, Liverpool, Chelsea, all the big clubs always got their decision. For me, it would have been a different game we saw if they stuck, stuck to the law of the, the letter of the game and Thiago Silva was sent off. But I'm still not fully convinced with Chelsea. I, I That only took us 30 minutes, everybody. But Nigel finally gave us when I played in the Premier League. What an absolute that. <laughs> His flex of the day. All right, we're going to take our first and only pick at Kegelasso. When we come back, we're going to talk about all the other big games that are happening around Europe and the rest of the world. Don't go anywhere. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Kago Lasso. I'm Jimmy Conrad, not Ian Joy. I'm here with Nigel Rio Coker and Michael LaHood, and we're breaking it all down for you. Hope you, everybody's having a good weekend, unless you're probably a Manchester United fan or a Tottenham fan. A lot of fans out there probably not happy. Liverpool, uh, the list goes on and on. But let's go to Serie A. Okay, mm-hmm. open up and say Serie A, because there was a big, big match in this one. Inter Milan hosting AS Roma. Now, Roma hadn't beaten Inter Milan in the league since 2017. It'd been a long time, but there's only one name that I think could maybe unlock that. His name is Jose Mourinho, and he masterminded a crazy 2-1 win at the San Siro. Chris Smalling scores on a set piece to break the deadlock. It was at 1-1. Paulo Dybala scored a nice, tidy goal at the back post as well. The new signing for Roma, he's made a big difference. He's now got four goals and two assists in his seven appearances. And as long as he stays healthy, I think Roma's definitely in the conversation. Maybe not to win the Scudetto, but definitely... Top four. Now, there's a crazy clip of Jose Mourinho celebrating. <laughs> I think Producer Dez has this teed up for us. So, Producer Dez, hopefully you are ready with this. All right, let's take a look at uh, Mr. Jose Mourinho. Hopefully we can hear him. So, he's watching the – was he suspended for this game? He was, right? <laughs> yeah, he was. Yes, he got sent off for um, Atalanta. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> look at that. I mean – when he, when he started screaming, I, I thought it was the other guy making that voice. But <laughs> apparently that was Jose Mourinho acting like an eight-year-old. And I appreciate him acting like he's eight. He's so excited to do that. Uh, Michael Hood, I'll start with you. And then mm. we'll hear from you, Nigel, about this. Uh, big win for Mourinho. Big win, big win for Roma. Terrible loss for Inter Milan. Yep. They lost three games. It took them 26 games in the Serie A last season to lose their first three games. Prior to losing to Roma, they had already lost three in their first seven not looking good for Simone Inzaghi uh, in charge of Inter. I don't care if Lukaku's playing or not. They should have had a better performance in this one, especially at home. It's worrying because they took the lead in this game yeah, with a yeah, goal from point, DeMarco, uh, making a slashing run and just a well-timed 
finish, well-timed run, looking like this could be the game that would catapult and reignite their season. But there's a mental fragility about this Inter team that I haven't seen in a few years. Simone Inzaghi's job is hanging in the balance. And I wonder, just wonder, if going into this Champions League week, if he does not get a positive result or make make it competitive by any means, if that could cost him his job, Inter are going the wrong way. Latour Martinez looked very much like he was almost a non-factor in this game because Roma did well to snuff out plays, tackling, team tackling, team defending. Martinez wriggling away from the first challenge but couldn't get free from the second or third. And just the better team overall won. Big caveat in this game, Tammy Abraham did not start. That was a big call from Jose Mourinho choosing to go with this free-flowing front three of Pellegrini, Dybala, and Zaniolo, a player who was linked to the likes of Tottenham Hotspurs at the start of the season. Very wise move for him to not go to Spurs, It's it looks like, with the way Roma have started. Jimmy, I must say I love Michael's breakdown because he's so spot on, very knowledgeable about football, fantastic insight as well. But the thing that there's puzzles me is, oh my gosh, thank you. Why the bloody hell is he wearing a Manchester United shirt? That's the only thing. Like, you've got great knowledge, but you're a Manchester United fan. Oh, Some more serious matters. I think for me, Jimmy, when you look at that, we discussed it as well in another pod that we did. I said that this game suits Jose Mourinho perfectly. Roma sat back, defended, grinding out, snuffling out. They limited Inter to some long-range efforts only. They didn't really have their finishing boots on. They couldn't put it into the back of the net. And Roma were happy to grind it out. To come back from behind and win 2-1 is a big statement win. But it's a typical Jose Mourinho setup. And like Michael said, he's right. 100% a big call not to start Tammy Abraham. But then when Tammy does come on, mm -hmm. he had a fantastic opportunity to really put the game beyond Inter Milan. And you are worried about this Inter Milan team. Because again, I they didn't really... They had most of the game. That's the reality of it. They had most of the game, most of the play... The, the better chances. But again, Roma limited them to mostly long-range efforts and they couldn't put it into the back of the net. It's a big statement win for Roma, in my opinion. And again, it's, it's not anything that surprises me. It's what I expected from Jose Mourinho to go there. And like you said, Jimmy, first win in five years there. Yeah, it's incredible. And Inter now drops to eighth. They have four wins and four losses. So they're either really good or, or really bad. They've given up 13 goals in eight, eight games. That's not a good look for them. That's where I think it's been one of their weaknesses is just a little bit of vulnerability, almost Liverpool-esque, where they're just making uncharacteristic mistakes, and that's obviously costing them a lot of points, and points they might not be able to get back. Because I do want to mention Napoli, who are excellent once again, getting a big result uh, against Torino, 3-1. They're up 3-0, I think, after 30 minutes, absolutely cruising. Krava, the Georgian, an unbelievable player, by the way, signed him for $10 million, and he has been an absolute gem for Luciano Spalletti and that team. And it makes me wonder very quickly about Napoli. And Nigel, I'll throw it right back to you with regard to Napoli. There he is. That, that, that Lorenzo Insigne moving on, Dries Mertens moving on, Koulibaly moving on. Like they maybe needed to have those guys who had been such a mainstay and such a golden generation for Napoli for so long to leave so that these other younger players could start to take on more responsibility. And obviously, Krav has been a hell of a signing. Uh, uh, what do you think about Napoli's chances? Because we've seen this before. Uh, they were up uh, last last season in Serie A, week 16, match day 16. They were still on top of the table, and they always seem to have their, their stumbling at the back half of the season. And I wonder if because they've shed those old guys and they've got this new vibrancy about them, and when, when Osiman comes back and is full at full health too, he's a tremendous player. Do you think they have a chance of winning the Scudetto for the first time in 30 years? 
I do so. I really do believe so, Jimmy. I think for That's me, when that. you look at Napoli, you look at a team that has a plan. You have a plan and a direction. Their recruiting is going well. The, the system of how they play, the manager and everything that they do, they've got a great plan. And I'm a big fan of Napoli right now. And I think for me, <laughs> that... <laughs> well, so everybody listening, Matt anyway, said that's exactly crapping the bed. Yes. Certainties in life. Always got it. Which, which, no, I think this is this is what people argue. have to realize this time, and especially Matt as well. This is the first time in the world we're having a World Cup during the middle of winter time, where clubs mm -hmm. normally get a break. It's not usual. So there's a lot of different factors that's going to affect every single team, especially top teams, the top one percent because they're the ones that's going to lose most of their players to this World Cup in Christmas, where there's an op a chance of injuries and all types of stuff. And uh, as a famous manager once said, never sign a player after the World Cup because they're never the same when they come to you. So it's going to be interesting to see how clubs operate in this transfer window with just coming off the back of a World Cup. But I personally feel that Napoli are one of the teams who could potentially win the Scudetto this year. And again, like you said, if Osman comes back fit and they keep him fit, they're really a great team, well-bond, great defensively, great in that midfield area and great in the attacking sense. You do worry about I, strength in depth, but I feel I, with the 13, 14 players, they can be able to do it if luck is on their side. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually feel like Serie A might be my favorite league in Europe yep. because it's so wide open. There might be four or five teams. I mean, Napoli's on top of 20. Lazio, big four win over Spezia today. 17, Atalanta with 17, could be a 20. What's up? Right, just a quick one. Sorry, sorry to cut you off, Did Michael just say, yep, Serie A might be my favorite league and you're wearing the Man United <laughs> shirt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? After today, I can, after today, I, I'm going to avoid the Premier I, I'm League. I'm going to avoid anyone it, right? who's you a Premier League You should be turning that inside out. You should be wearing no, that Napoli inside shirt, out. Michael, it, it, and I won't say anything to you. Wear a Napoli shirt. No, won't say a word to you. You know what? I just team. might for the Champions League preview and the live recap this coming week because <laughs> they're going to be kicking. Oh, I can't say the, the one cuss word a week. Kicking yeah, butt that's and fine. taking names. Okay, so let's talk about AC Milan, the reigning mm. champions in Serie A. Crazy game against Empoli. They went up. Uh, Ante Rebic got a goal from Rafael Leao, who is one of my favorite players in all of Italy, maybe all yeah. of Europe, and I'm curious to see how he plays for Portugal in the World Cup. He ends up uh, assisting that goal, but scores the third one in the 95th minute. There was three goals in injury time. Empoli made it 1-1, and then bang, bang, Milan scored in the last two minutes of the game to win 3-1. Do you think this Milan team has enough, Lahoud, to actually repeat as champions because there's a lot of teams gunning for them right now, obviously, and, and it's not easy to do. They have the recipe, they have the players, and they've strengthened, and these guys have gained that experience of being champions before. But do you think they have enough? Because it feels like, not that they're scraping by every time, but they're not necessarily convincing for all 90 minutes right now. Yes, I do. I think they're the one team that could pip Napoli to the title because of the one thing Napoli does not have. They have depth. They have players that can come off the bench, and players who can give what the game needs. Ante Rebic seems to be a revelation this season. Mm -hmm. He was the starting striker when the league started and he scored goals as a striker. That gives you confidence knowing that you can do it off the bench or on the field as a starter. Olivier Giroud, he will find goals. Wasn't as prolific today. I think that was down to the international break, but a player who scored for France, they have a lot of players who are finding good form. And Nigel, we were talking about this Tamori. Crazy. He's not good enough to play for England, but he's good enough to play for the Serie A champions, the defending Serie A champions. That partnership between he and Simon Schar, I'm excited to see that flourish this season. I think this is a Milan team. This is the team to beat. Napoli will give them a run for their money. And don't sleep on Atalanta. They are the dark horses sitting in second place, quietly playing 
But as soon as Napoli play AC Milan, they will feel the wrath of Rafa Leal. This guy is the best player <laughs> like in nice. Serie A right now. Nice wordplay there, Just Michael. Just a quick Hood. one, Mike. Haven't Napoli played AC Milan already? They yes, did. they have. They well, did. As and soon they as they play them, them again. Yeah, How about they beat that? them, right? And it was Dest who gave a penalty away. It was 2-1. That's right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You're, right. Away, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. USA, you're USA. Right. Okay. Just yeah, all right. Sure. I, I, thank you for bringing yeah, that up. Thank you. Like thank you. Thank you. Yeah, anyway, no if you're watching this, if you're watching this <laughs> live on YouTube, you know. there's more Serie A action today with Maxi Allegri's in need Juventus side traveling to Bologna. Inform Atalanta are about to square off with Fiorentina. And tomorrow, the revelation of the season, Udinese. Look, the re- leapfrog their way back to second with a win over Hell Yes Verona. You can watch these games in every Serie A game live and exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Sign up. The details are in the description. All right, boys. Let's do a little lap around the rest of Europe because there were some pretty big results. We had Bayern and Freiburg capitalizing on Union Berlin dropping points. They're now two points adrift, both of those teams from Union Berlin. Uh, La Liga, Robert Lewandowski had a golazo against Mallorca. Did a lot of work himself to hit that to the back post. What a tremendous player as Barcelona win 1-0. Koke becomes the first player with the most, or the the player with the most appearances for Atletico Madrid's history. And Atleti won 2-0 over Sevilla. Sevilla currently in the relegation zone in La Liga. So there's a lot of games out there. Probably some I didn't mention. Uh, Nigel, I'll come to you. Make this your final thought because we got to tie this one up because uh, producer Dez has got a hot date or something. I don't even know what's going <laughs> on with that. But but anything else stand out for you, Nigel? I think everything, man. I've enjoyed it, Jimmy. Honestly, this whole week's football has been great. Watching the Manchester derby today, watching the North London derby. Mm. Um, I'm saying uh, Napoli continue winning ways and obviously AC Milan as well makes it very interesting in there. I'm not going to get too excited about the German leagues. I feel that Bayern are just going to go on that run again, as we always yeah. see them do, winning mm. 10, 12 in a row. Um, and I wasn't surprised that Atletico beat Sevilla. You do start worrying now for Sevilla what they're going to do. But managers' hands are tied. Lost a lot of players, a lot of talent. It's going to take time. And um, uh, Lewandowski continues to do the business for Barcelona. So so just as a fun fact, Lahoud, before I throw it to you, yeah. I put I put some money on Barcelona to win the league when they were at or excuse me, the Champions League at 20 to 1. Oh wow. And and I'm liking that bet because Lewandowski, I think very similar to Erling Holland, is maybe that final piece that Barcelona was lacking to really take that next step and be at the level, at least from Barcelona. Okay, Did you see Barcelona against Bayern Munich. <laughs> I said Man City, but but you I had Barcelona. Bar- oh no, no, I had Bayern Munich before. But then when I saw the odds that Barcelona were getting, I had to put some money on them. Oh, that's, smart, that's smart betting. 20 to 1 when you have Lewandowsky in your team. And those guys well, can... They're, they're not going to win no Champions League. Don't 20 give to these, 1? Don't I had give to put 100 bucks on hope. You don't give our listeners false hope. They're not going to win no Champions League. Well, they can't get 20 to 1 on Barcelona anymore. So I'm not giving they're them not any gonna win the Champions League. Anyway, Lahoud, any, any games stand out for you? Obviously, yeah. some action in MLS as well. It's a playoffs near. Anything? What do you got for us? Yeah, I'm thinking of two games that one going on right now. Celta Vigo up 1-0. On Real Betis, Betis, the team that started out like a house on fire, now seem to have the house on fire coming up short in the last couple Man, your games. Man, you excellent today. Uh, I, I, yeah, gosh, it's, it must be the coffee. must be or your, just or being desperate. Or shirt you're wearing. Yeah, yeah it must be being desperate to talk about anything but United <laughs> today. And going league, uh, Jonathan Johnson, this is a shout-out to you, PSG and Marseille. Going neck and neck, tit for tat. And it's going to lead up to October 16th. I think that is where PSG are going to get their first run for their money when Marseille come to town. Keep an eye on those two teams. Both te- both teams coming off good results. PSG 1-0 against Lionel Messi and free kick goals. Synonymous with what he does. Magic in the air. And Marseille 3-0 victory, making a resounding statement in Liga. 
All right, my I final thought. Class my, half full. My final thought. Make sure you listen to In Soccer We Trust. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Shameless Me, plug. Shameless Eaters plug. And Charlie Chuck Wagon Davies. We come to you three times a week talking about the U.S. men's national team and everything surrounding it. Because USA, USA, USA. I can't wait. I cannot wait. When Nigel has to come on, Kegel Lasso, and acknowledge that the U.S. were better than England at the World Cup. That's going to be like one of the greatest days of my life. Thank you for listening, everybody. <laughs> it's 10 there, Michael. Appreciate you. Juice it there. Appreciate you guys. We'll see you next right week. Now. And Neon Joy will be back. Thanks for having me, Nigel. And Michael LaHood, and of course, on behalf of producer Des, we appreciate you. Thank you for all the love and support. We'll see you next time. Later. CBS Friday. TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. Used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.